0: Hi, everyone. I took a week off from doing Ask Me Anythings to prepare for my talk at the Man Up Conference in Schenectady last weekend. I had an awesome time at that conference, by the way. Big thanks to Pastor Anthony Stafford, Scott Hulsapple, Nate Roberts, AJ Stafford, and the entire community at Electric City Baptist Church for an awesome weekend. I had a blast, and I really do feel like I received more than I gave. So thanks to that entire community for inviting me up there to Electric City. Also, for those of you who missed it, my Renaissance Men's Mentorship is now open. I've spent the past year working with a number of high-performing men who have really impressed me with their results. So you can go to renofmen.com mentorship to learn more about what the program is and schedule an explore call to find out how it can benefit you. Again, go to renofmen.com mentorship for more. So this week, I want to tackle a pair of questions that I got from my men's group, The Council, about relationships with women. Sort of both ends of the spectrum. So the first question is, What are your views on celibacy and masculinity? Does a man need to be married with kids to be fully masculine? Absolutely not. I think celibacy, if you're truly practicing it, is a genuinely masculine path. But the thing is, most men aren't actually practicing celibacy. And by practicing celibacy, I mean no pornography, no masturbation. Most men, what they'll do is they'll say, I'm being quote celibate, which means they're not dating women or sleeping with women, etc. Meanwhile, They'll be engaged in porn and things like that. I don't think that counts as celibacy. Celibacy is a gift. It's something that not everyone has. Some men can remain celibate, truly celibate, endure the discipline, and make use of all that spare energy, essentially. But I don't think that's many men. Years ago, I was on the Blood and Rain podcast, and I talked about the difference that I learned when I was studying Buddhist meditation about the monk and the householder. This is actually something that shows up in traditional Buddhism. Now, the way that Buddhism works is that it believes that we are supposed to transcend suffering by undoing the knot of our consciousness. We're supposed to shuffle off this mortal coil and become enlightened. The word nirvana literally means extinguishing the flame. The idea is that your consciousness is an individual flame, and because of consciousness, you perceive suffering. So if you want to do with suffering, you extinguish your consciousness, which can be done through meditation. It's profoundly self-negating, which is one of the big distinctives between Buddhism and Christianity. And that's a whole other conversation. So we don't disappear down a theological rabbit hole. You can think of it this way. Some men who are Buddhist will be called in the direction of the monk. Some men who are Buddhist obviously will be called in the direction of a householder. The monk dedicates himself to the extinguishing of his consciousness. He has decided not to take a wife, not to raise children, not to work a job, and instead retreats to a monastery where he spends most of his time doing service and meditation. In a place like Tibet, those monks become almost like royalty, and the householder men work to produce income that they then donate to the monks for spiritual guidance. Now, Tibet is a very complicated issue, but one of the reasons that China has conquered Tibet, which is not something we hear much about these days, is because the monks in Tibet were essentially oppressing the poor Tibetan people. That doesn't necessarily mean that China is better, but definitely from the Chinese perspective, they felt that these monks were exploiting the householder men. So why do I say all this? Because even in Buddhism, there is the choice between men who are called to celibacy and men who are called to raising a family. But not every man in Buddhism is called towards celibacy, towards becoming a monk. It's a very small percentage of men that are authentically called in that direction. The vast majority of men want to marry, raise children, and have a family. So within the Christian world, I think it's very possible that some men are called to truly devote their lives in service to Christ. I don't know that I'd necessarily call them priests. I don't think they have to join any particular sort of order. And I'm not going to get into the Catholic Church just now. I think it's totally viable for a man to choose the path of celibacy and be part of everyday society, to work a job, etc. But that's really a conversation between you, God, and your conscience. If you truly feel called in that direction, then by all means, go for it. And I don't think it makes you less of a masculine man by choosing it. The only thing that I would add is that having responsibility for others does significantly impact a man's maturity. Nothing calls a man forward to maturity like a wife and children. It's that level of responsibility that forces him to think about something other than his own fleshly desires. So even if you choose the path of celibacy and choose it very sincerely, I would suggest planning long-term to take on more and more responsibility, not just professionally either, perhaps doing community service or building a nonprofit organization to care for a sort of pseudo-family. One of the limitations that householder men have is that they can only care for a certain number of people the majority of their energy will always go towards their wife and kids. But by choosing the path of celibacy, you can take that same energy and benefit hundreds or perhaps even thousands who wouldn't otherwise be able to take advantage of your efforts. So I want to make clear that it is absolutely possible to be a masculine man and be celibate. Just make sure you are truly choosing it and you are truly going to be celibate And also, don't discount the importance of taking on added responsibility and building a sort of family, even despite your own celibacy. This is how celibate men and householder men can work together to benefit the kingdom. The second question is, what would you say to a man whose only friend is his girlfriend? And I gotta tell you, man, that's a tough one. I would say that that relationship probably isn't going to last for very long. And I'll give you a couple reasons why. First, if a man's only friend is his girlfriend, he's undoubtedly putting the emotional weight of the circumstances of his life onto her. And that is not something we're supposed to be doing as men. Yes, we can talk about what we're going through. Yes, we can share some of our emotions. But if we're feeling anxiety, worry, depression, anger, fear, sadness, by placing those emotions onto the shoulders of our girlfriend or even wives We're burdening her to care for us in a way she's not necessarily equipped to. We're supposed to be providing safety, stability, and security. And reflecting our inner states of worry and anxiety can overburden and perhaps even worry our partner, which can lead to a decay of the relationship. If only because your girlfriend might go looking for a man who isn't so much of a, in the words of Doug Wilson, needy bucket. So that's one possible scenario. But let's say you're keeping your wall up and you're still keeping her protected and secure, even from your own emotions. If you don't have anyone to talk to about this and you're isolating yourself, that's not good either. That's ultimately going to explode in an episode of anger or depression, and these two are related. I once heard the very wise quote that depression is anger turned inwards. If we don't have any place to put our anger, we turn it inwards towards ourselves. And what happens when you get angry at somebody? When you get angry at somebody, they get defensive. So what happens when you get angry at yourself? You get defensive. So within you, you have your anger at yourself going in one direction, and your need to defend yourself going in the opposite direction. And these equal and opposite forces collide, and neither of them win. In fact, what it does is it drains you, and it creates depression. And this is where the mechanism of manic depression comes from. These colliding forces, eventually, one of them will break out versus the other. Say the defensiveness breaks out, and suddenly you're free of all the anger that you're feeling. This creates a mania, acting out, because suddenly you're relieved of all the anger that you've been feeling and turning inwards. But eventually you slow down, and then the anger comes back with a vengeance. And that's when you go into the deeper depths of depression than you had previously been in before. So that's how you get the mechanism of manic depression. This is anger turned inwards, and we defend ourselves and end up sacrificing all of our energy. Personally, I don't think this is best solved with medication. Surely some people do have a biochemical imbalance in their brain. But truthfully, what I think is going on is we have a profoundly angry society over having our boundaries violated in so many different ways, and people have no place to put their anger. So they turn it inwards on themselves, leading to depression. So how does this relate to the man whose only friend is his girlfriend? If you have all of these emotions and no place to put them, you will turn them inwards on yourself and ultimately get depressed, leading to the same scenario I outlined before. This is why men need brothers. Brotherhood is not optional. Let me say that again. Brotherhood is not optional. We all, as men, need friends in our lives. The lone wolf idea is a lie. A better way to think about that story is that the men who we think are lone wolves are actually the tip of the spear. Think about James Bond or Indiana Jones. They have entire teams of men and women supporting them as they go off on their adventures So no man is an island. But we've internalized this message that we're supposed to do everything on our own. When in fact, having close brothers in our lives that we can lean on, share with, and talk things through with is an incalculable benefit to all of us. So what would I say to the man whose only friend is his girlfriend? You're probably not going to be in that relationship for very long. You're putting it at risk. You're putting yourself at risk. And you're cutting yourself off from so many sources of strength. I would strongly, strongly advise you to get some friends. It sounds silly to even have to say this. 50 or 100 years ago, telling men to make friends wasn't something you had to do. But now, in our age of isolation, we can have loose associations with men online and call them our friends when really there's no depth there at all. So, make some friends in person. Or, if you can't make any friends in person because you're lost in some small town you don't want to be a part of anyway, Find men online that you can trust, that you can open up to, that you can share with. I'm going to do an absolutely shameless plug right now and tell you I have two different options for that. First is my online men's accountability group, The Council. Using my men's life map, which is a core part of my mentorship, I build teams of men that hold each other accountable for making active progress in their lives. This form of the council is just getting running right now. And so if you're interested, you can email me at info at and I'll tell you all about it. The other option I have available is something called the forum. The forum is a bi-weekly or every two weeks men's group that happens on Zoom. A group of men gathers to talk about their lives. None of us are really involved in each other's lives. So we can be open with what's going on and not have any worries that the things we say will get back to us. And I think that's a really important thing that many men don't have. And I think this is what actually helps create the isolation. Men don't actually want to reach out and talk to other men in their lives because they worry that if they say something about so-and-so, that eventually that word will get back to so-and-so. Given that now we have access to the internet, we can form men's groups online to address that very problem. The forum has been running for over a year now. There's been a core group of men that have been meeting every other week for 12 months. We've built very strong bonds, and I'm very proud of this group and I've been looking for a reason to begin expanding it to other men. A group exactly like this one helped me change my life back in 2013 to 2015. In fact, having a men's group helped me confront something that I didn't have the strength to talk about anywhere else. And as soon as I confessed it to a group of men, suddenly I became accountable for it. I knew that I couldn't bring up the same problem week after week after week, and so I did something about it, And that finally is what liberated me to go to Burning Man. And by this point, you've heard that story a thousand times. That's how important having a men's group was in my life. It was a key instrument that I used to make major change. That's yet another reason why it's important that men have friends, or at least men, to confide in. Not only does it take the pressure off our relationships, it prevents depression Anger, anxiety helps us move forward and gives us a safe, welcoming place to talk about our lives. It saddens me to know that this is unusual in our day and age. I think our fathers, or at least our grandfathers, had so many friends that they would have taken something like this for granted. Yes, absolutely I had the men that I would hang out with at the barbershop, or at the Rotary Club, or in the garage, or at the poker night. You don't? How strange. And yet now we have friendless, isolated men who don't know where to go and end up putting all of their weight on their girlfriends and their wives. It's tragically common. And again, that's why I started the forum and the council to help. So if you'd like to hear more about either of these programs, you can email me at info at For clarity, the council is an online group that happens on Discord that runs 24-7, or at least as often as you want to participate. Men are broken into teams and hold each other accountable for making meaningful, measurable progress in their lives along a framework that I created and that forms the core of my mentorship. The forum doesn't have a structure. It's an online meeting of men every two weeks on Zoom and a free-flowing and open conversation where we share what's going on with us and offer and receive feedback to each other. If you'd like to know more about either the council or the forum, please email me at info at I think I'll wrap this episode up here and leave you men with something to think about. It's very important to me that all men find community, companionship, and brotherhood in their lives. You don't have to find it with me or any of my programs, but please, if you're isolated, struggling with depression, and overburdening your girlfriend, find men in your life however you can.